Greetings of love to each of you this morning in the name of Jesus. We gather in his name because he has redeemed us and given us that um, glorious hope of the future as we continue to serve him and trust in him. Glad for the presence of each one of you, especially the visitors here this morning. God bless you as you are here with us in this worship service. I do not always, well, maybe I should say it differently. I usually don't understand the leading of God. All week I had planned to preach a message on the reality of the um, scriptural New Testament church. But um, the Lord changed my mind. Lord willing, I plan to preach on that in a future time, Lord willing. But we'd like to look at something different this morning. I do not always, like I say, understand why God leads the way he does, but we want to trust his leading. You may turn with me to Matthew 27. I want to think this morning about the meaning of the cross. We often think of the cross of Christ in various ways, the most familiar probably. We think of the suffering of Christ. We view this every time regarding a communion service, which Jesus said that we are to remember his suffering, his death, his shed blood, his broken body, and we, we do that in a communion service. We also think of the cross of Christ as it relates to victory over sin and over the power of the devil and the victory that was won there on Calvary. We also think of the cross in relation to the shedding of blood and the atonement and the fulfillment of all those Old Testament sacrifices. And so those are some of the ways in which we, we think about the, the, the cross of Christ. But I would like to look at it from a different perspective this morning. I would like to think of the cross, the title of the message is The, the Cross as an Interruption. The cross as an interruption. Now, <clears throat> the text verse is Matthew 27 and verse 32, and we're breaking into the story of where Jesus was on the way after his trial and, and, and being condemned, and he had been scourged, which many men never survived. Those brutal scourgings. Uh, the crown of thorns was on his head. They had mocked him, spit on him. And now, verse 32, they're on the way to Golgotha or Calvary. And it simply says this, And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Now, I would like to read the two other stories of this, accounts of this in the Gospels. Turn with me to Matthew 15 and verse 21. Very similar. A few details mentioned here, a little different. Mark 15, 21, and they compel 
one Simon a Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Luke 23, 26. Luke 23, 26. And they led him away. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. Now, it was custom in those days for the condemned person to carry their own cross to the site of the execution or crucifixion. And usually they were paraded through the streets of the city. It was a symbol of, uh, or a time of uh, condemnation to them. It was a time of uh, belittling them. And it was also a time of setting fear in the hearts of other people, watching all of this, that you don't disobey Rome. And so here we have the cross was laid on the shoulders of Christ. He was to bear this cross to the place of the crucifixion, up the hill to Golgotha. We have Jesus in this picture struggling beneath his cross. The loss of blood, the loss of sleep, not eating. He was physically spent. I think one of the struggles that Christ had, even there in the, the prayer to his father in Gethsemane, not only was it at the surrender of his will, but I also believe in that was the concern of Christ that he would, that his life would survive or that he would be able to hold out until that cross experience. It seems he did not have the physical strength, that's obvious here, I think, to bear his cross. And as we say sometimes, it, the picture here is that he, as it were, fell beneath his cross. He was not able to keep it on his shoulder and walk, stumble up that, though through the streets of Jerusalem, out through the gate and up the hill to Calvary. Now, in this, these three stories, all the same story, but three accounts, Simon here was from North Africa. He says from Cyrene. He probably was a Jew. Seems like he was a Jew. There were many Jews scattered abroad because of the, um, the carrying away into other countries because of the judgment of God that goes way back into the history of Israel. But there were Jews in many nations of the world at that time. Probably coming to Jerusalem for the Passover, we could suppose, mingling in with the crowds, and, <clears throat> and probably curious of what was going on that day and all the commotion of the crowd. And here he was, standing along the road, the way to Golgotha. It was here at the edge of the crowd. 
he was singled out by the Roman soldiers to be the one to step in and to help this poor condemned man carry his cross. I think we can conclude from this story that Simon was not waiting around that day in case there was a cross to carry. Simon was not there intending to carry a cross to help this condemned criminal, or what appeared to be a criminal, carry his cross up the hill to Calvary. The Bible says he was compelled to bear his cross, to, to step in and to help. Compelled. Therefore, we view this happening in this story of Christ on the way to Calvary. We view this as an interruption. It was an interruption to his day. It was an interruption to his plans. It was an interruption to what he probably intended as he was standing there trying to see what was going on in this commotion. This viewpoint of the cross is not so much now this morning from the perspective of finding salvation. It is true that each one of us here this morning, if you have found Christ, if you have found forgiveness, if you have found the new birth, you did beat the cross at some point. When we were ready in submission to kneel at the foot of that cross of Christ, in confessing our sins and our need of a savior, that was our introduction to the cross. And maybe the cross was not so much an interruption that day when we met it, when we fell beneath it, as it were, on our knees. Yes, there was a change. Things were not the same after that. Our life was forever changed because of that situation, that meeting of the cross. But I'm thinking this morning, this message, while it can apply to that, and certainly we'll be touching on that, I'm thinking about the other situations in life where we meet the cross. And it's the cross as an interruption, unexpected. There's another sense in which Christ cross this day, here in this story, Christ's cross became Simon's cross. He had the weight of it on his shoulders. He felt it biting in to his flesh as he bore it on his shoulders. I'd like to look, I think now, some important truths in this account. First of all, I'd like to think about that this is an in, incomprehensible interruption. The interruption of the cross is an incomprehensible interruption. It was a cross, and we've already looked at this, that Simon seems not to have understood. He did understand it. That's why it says that he was compelled to do this. It was against his will. It was against what he thought he should have to do that day. It was thrust quite suddenly upon him. 
as he was standing there, just one of the many spectators that day, one of the many in the crowd, and suddenly that Roman soldier said, you, come carry this cross. So it was thrust quite suddenly upon him. Many crosses, grievous to be born, come rather quickly. I've never experienced this. I know others that have, even of our own midst here, who would get the verdict that you have cancer. I just use that as an illustration to say that sometimes those crosses come rather suddenly and rather quickly. The cross taken from Jesus bruised and bleeding back that day and laid upon Simon's strong shoulders held a deeper significance to Simon than he could possibly understand at that time. He didn't understand what this was all about, I don't believe. Maybe he didn't fully understand who Jesus was. He probably maybe was in Jerusalem and heard the stories of this healer and the Messiah and some of these stories that were probably being talked about. But I don't believe he fully understood at all, probably what was involved. And no one can fully understand his cross. You think about this morning, maybe some of the crosses that you have been called to bear. I'm not talking about situations and, and trials and, and sufferings that we brought on ourselves. I'm not talking about that. We bear that, our, blame, our own blame for those things. But I'm talking about situations, I'm talking about circumstances that are brought into bear upon our lives by the sovereign hand of God, coming as it were out of nowhere, and suddenly this is a situation we would never have chosen it. We don't understand why, but it's a cross that we are called to bear. We must remember that regardless how cruel, how annoying, how undignified, how undeserved, this cross is really a blessing in disguise. I would like to think that Simon found the cross he bore to be a door to blessing and further service to his master. We're going to come to that at the end of this, of this message. And so in our lives, as we accept the cross that is laid upon our shoulders, we then open ourselves to an expanded service. God chooses to use individuals who maybe at first pull back and shrink away, but yet step in and willingly pick up that cross, God will use those individuals for a great service 
even though at the time it is not understood. I think there's going to be situations where we will, that will only be understood in the eternal world. When God pulls back the curtain and reveals why he chose those sovereign things in our lives that here in time we do not understand. I'd like to also now think of divine interruptions are also opportunities. Whether he knew of Jesus, as I said before, whether he knew of Jesus or not, we, don't, we do not really know. Whether he realized fully at the time the significance of this act, again, we do not know. But it was truly a rare opportunity indeed. You know, the opportunity to bear Christ's cross, to help Jesus there falling beneath his cross, to be able to step in and to pick that up and, and as it were, say, I'll help you. And we think of that today in our lives, from our perspective, we would say that that would have been an honor to be the one that could step in and do that for our Lord. But isn't that really part of our Christian service today? The idea that we, like Paul, the Apostle Paul said, he said, I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ in my body. So when Paul was stoned, when Paul was beaten, when Paul was, was cursed at, you know, and he, he had his bruises. You know, Paul, Paul is there saying, he said, I'm, in the, in the right sense, I'm proud of this, or I'm glad for this, that I can bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. In other words, I'm taking it for him. Christ is not here in person, in body. And so they can't do it to him anymore but they're going to do it to his people. And Paul said, I'm, I'm glad to be able to have these marks. Most of us have not been beat up for being a Christian. But how would you feel about that? Would you feel it's an honor to bear the marks of Christ? To stand in Christ's place and take it? Maybe we won't have that opportunity yet. Well, there have been many interruptions in the lives of God's people. We can look at some illustrations. God interrupted Moses while he was there on the backside of the desert feeding his father-in-law's flocks. You know, in that solitary midnight desert, when he probably thought he was all alone, not too much out there, God appeared to him in that burning bush. And there he called him to go back down to Egypt and to lead his people out. Moses was not eager to pick up that cross that day either. It was the cross as an interruption. Remember how he just, he balked at that and said, I can't speak well, and on and on. He made his excuses. And finally he, he had to go. Because of the call of God, Saul was interrupted by Samuel one day while searching for some stray donkeys. And in, in, in that interruption, he was anointed king of Israel. The widow of Zarephath was interrupted while gathering sticks to cook that one last meal for her and her son by the prophet, asking her to make a meal for me first. 
then you can have what's left. Why did he do that? Was it something selfishness? No. It was a test of her faith, and he showed her the power of God in a way that she had never seen before. Because you read that whole story, remember the barrel of meal and the, the bottle of oil, it never, never ran out all the days of that famine. Because she responded in faith to what the prophet asked. The interruption of a cross, as it were. Peter was interrupted with his great, after his great vision there on the housetop by someone knocking on the door and asking him to come to Cornelius' house. It was the interruption. It was a change. And through that whole thing, Peter had come to understand that the Gentiles now were being brought in to the family of God. And I'm sure that if you stop and think about it, you and I can think of situations where the cross came to us as an interruption and we had a choice to make whether we're going to accept that, the claims of Christ and step in there and bear that cross. George Mueller once said, the stops as well as the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I like that. The stops as well as the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Divine interruptions are really opportunities to serve in ways that we cannot always understand. Many times it is these opportunities that bring us face to face with Christ in a different way and our lives are never the same again. The interruptions of the cross face us in various times and places as well as they did there for Simon that day. A few thought, more thoughts to consider. There is an interruption of the cross in our lives when we hear the call of Christ to take up that cross and to follow him. I refer to this at the beginning of the message, but it is the call to come and to identify with Christ in his sufferings. It cost Simon something that day, and I don't know his reputation or exactly, we don't know a lot of who he was as far as his life, his family much, and all of, the, all of those things. Was he a businessman? Was he, you know, we just don't know a lot about him. But the call came to him to take up that cross, and he had to identify with this condemned man. So he had to take the place of the condemned man. And so the crowd, as he would have walked through the midst of those, all those people that were watching, it looked like he was the condemned man. He was the one under the cross. He was the one bearing it. And then you think about the, what the scripture says to us there in Hebrews about that we are to go out and follow Christ there through, um, out of the gate. Go with Christ out of the gate bearing his reproach. And there's a sense in which Simon had to bear the reproach of Christ by their walking with Christ or following Christ carrying the cross. Are you and I willing in today's world to be counted on as those who in the eyes of society are the losers? We're becoming more and more viewed as the radicals, the, the extremists, because of falling Bible principle. Are we ready to identify with that? In that bearing of the cross with Christ? It is to follow Christ through the streets of life in all the scorn 
and ridicule that a savage world can heap upon us. That's identifying with Christ. And I believe as the darkness continues to descend upon what we see in, in the Western world and the turning away from God, the, the, the rise of evil, and, and all the confusion in relation to absolute truth, we're going to see more and more of that. We're going to feel more and more of that because of not being accepted. There are places where that is already increasing rapidly, where uh, banks refuse to give service to someone who does not follow their, their way, or corporations, large corporations, and uh, people getting jobs are asked questions in relation to faith. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg and what it's going to cost to follow Christ. It is to allow the cross to interrupt the self-centered course of our life and reset our expectations. There is also the inter interruption of the cross in sanctification. You know, when we are suddenly made aware of the fact that there is something lacking in our lives, we may have thought that we were just about okay when something is revealed to us and we stand face to face with the reality of maybe a weakness or failure on our part, and some a brother or a sister, a parent, or whoever can come to us and say, what about this? Does this measure up to the claim of Christ in your life? Someone or something shows up uh, an opportunity in our attitudes or our words or our relationships. Sometimes we just need some push like Simon did that day. Because we don't expect to carry this cross any more than Simon was expected or he expected to carry that cross. And so regardless of our age here this morning, God has just never done placing these interruptions into our path for sanctification. It's a perfecting process. Someone says, well, why did you do that? What about this? You know, and, and we realize that, you know, that there's just an area that we really should look at and change and allow the cross of Christ, that sanctifying power. A brother or a sister or a friend may point something out that needs some attention. How do we respond? Do we see it as a call to improve our cross-bearing or would we rather disappear into the crowd and be gone? Well, there's also the interruption of the cross by divine intent in circumstances. I mentioned this before as well, but whether it is the cross of sickness and pain, accident, or the death of a loved one close to us, sometimes it can be the rejection of family because of a stand that we believe we need to take for the, for the sake of Christ, a cross to bear, it can be loneliness. It can be the feeling of rejection. You know, and it can be the, the crashing or crushing of dreams that we may have had for the future, and yet it's just not, God is just not working things out that, in a certain way. And so that can, can be like an interruption of the cross. And so there, there are circumstances that God uses 
There's also another truth here, and that is that the cross leaves no room for neutrality. Just as Simon was not allowed by, by divine will to remain a mere spectator in this story, so the interruptions of the cross will never allow us to remain neutral either. He was compelled to pick up this cross, probably under the penalty of death. To refuse the command of, a, of the conquering Romans would have probably meant dire circumstances. You think about this in relation to our lives, neither is there neutrality with the interruptions of the cross in our lives. The cross will never leave our wills alone. If you forget everything else that was said in this message this morning, please remember this one. The cross will never leave our wills alone. It's always a call of surrender and submission. Either we step forward and submit and carry the cross, or we die. Spiritually, of course, but lose that great blessing that God intended for us. The interruption of the cross is in the timing of providence. It's another, another truth from this little story. The interruption of the cross is in, in the timing of providence. Just think of it this way. Simon arrived at the exact moment, at the exact place, close to the exact soldier who, looking up, saw him and said, you carry this cross. How could that be? In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus said, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. Of Ruth the Moabitess, ancestress of King David, the Bible says, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. I find those thoughts interesting. I notice some people have a problem with using those words. In the right context, I don't believe that's wrong to word, use the word chance or happenstance. It's in the context, we know, of the sovereignty of God. Happenstance and chance are only representative of the very human perspective, you see. Was it only chance that the Levite or the priest came down that way? No, God intended it to be. From human's perspective, it's like, well, it just happened. And we can look at some situations in life and say, well, I don't know, it just happened. You look at the sovereignty of God in our lives, nothing just happens. Never by chance, never by happenstance, always by the sovereignty of God. But from a human perspective, it can appear that way. All happenings are in the hand of a sovereign God whose timing is precise. His purpose is sure. Why did Simon come to this particular spot on this particular day and that particular soldier singled him out? 
There's only one answer. Divine providence. It's one of the securities of life that we have as a child of God to know that God in his providence superintends and exercises his sovereignty for his eternal purposes. And it doesn't really matter whether we understand or even allowed to understand why certain things happen. That's in this story. I find that fascinating. When you think about our lives and why certain things happen. There was a comment made by a politician some time ago in relation to an, abor an abortion an abortion discussion. And there was a story about an abortion survivor which was scorned by a lot of people until that person, that woman came forward. She says, I am the person of that story. I survived an abortion attempt on my life. Not once, I believe it was twice. I just point that out. The sovereignty of God. You'd have to somehow believe that there was an intent, right? That was beyond human intention. This truth helps us to find rest in the interruptions of the cross that may come into our lives. It may be shocking, it may be unexpected, or even at times seem trivial. But God knows why each of us are where we are, living and serving and working the same as he did in Simon's life that day. In closing, I would like to think of the rewards of cross-bearing. No one called into service for Christ, regardless of how ignoble it begins, will go unrewarded. The Samaritan woman received living water. A woman who lavished upon him rare and costly perfume received an everlasting memorial. And Simon received his reward for bearing this cross that day as well. The verses we read there, Mark 15, uh, just go back to, I'll just go back to that, Mark 15 and verse 21. The end of that verse that we read says that he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. Father of Alexander and Rufus. We have in Acts 19, refers there to Alexander as one of the companions of the Apostle Paul in work in the, in the kingdom. We have in Romans 16, and also there the Apostle Paul names Rufus as one of his fellow helpers in the gospel. And from what we also know from the writings of the early church fathers, they said that this Alexander and this Rufus were the sons of Simon. Two of his sons went on to serve in the gospel. I can't help but think that Simon was never the same after that day. When he shouldered that cross beside Jesus 
and helped him carry it all the way up the hill of Calvary to the top where Christ was crucified. And so this morning, the interruptions of the cross are continually thrust upon us. We don't know what the future holds for any of us, but that's okay because God knows. And whatever crosses are thrust into our pathway, as a child of God, we can rest secure in knowing is by the sovereign timing, the sovereign hand of God, that we can face that. Let's always choose right. Let's always choose the way of the cross. It was the way of the cross that Christ chose that brought us salvation. As Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And we can also endure whatever cross God brings into our path with joy, knowing that there is that eternal reward, that eternal blessing. Remember, we can never be neutral in the face of the cross because the cross will never leave our wills untouched. And so when we come face to face with something that is our old will, our old nature just, just resists and, and pulls back from, that's where we have to submit and take the way of the cross. So may God help us each in our lives to be faithful in this. Let's kneel to pray. Father, we thank you that you're a sovereign God. We thank you that you know each detail of our lives. We thank you for the stories of the scriptures that teach us so many truths. In the lives of those who chose to faithfully follow you, to allow the cross experience to change them, and to reap the rewards of those faithful who benefit from the exercise of faith. We th thank you this morning that there is a cross to carry. Otherwise, Father, we know that we're just victims of our own carnal wills. And Father, when it's so hard at times, it seems to lay down our wills in surrender and submission, Father, help us to keep our eyes on the future, on the goal, of what it means to be surrendered to you. Father, may each of us today, as your children, those who have been blood, uh, washed in the blood of Christ, we would be faithful to you in bearing your cross, our cross. You've promised to help us. We are to come to you as heavy and heavy laden, and you have promised to bear the yoke with us. Help us on this path as we surrender to you. Father, where there are those who are resisting your call to bear the cross, we pray that you would help them come to that place of repentance and find your mercy and forgiveness. And Father, where there are those of us as Christians here who have who understand your love and, and grace and mercy. Father, where there are those times where we rebel a little and we resist a little at your will for our lives, help us, Father, to submit to your plan and purposes, knowing that while we do not understand, there is that eternal perspective 
that we can yet, um, though we sow in tears, we can reap in joy. And so, Father, bless us. Empower us in this day and age to serve you in faithfulness. And may we each go forth today bearing our cross and following you. We ask in the name of Christ.